Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, January 15th, 2024. Alastair Crook is here today with his take on the presentations at the International Criminal Court and the big picture look at the failures of the Biden foreign policy establishment. But first this. Judge Napolitano here. I love being a spokesperson for causes that I believe in, and one of them is the soundness of money. We don't have that anymore. The markets are casinos. The Fed is printing cash like it's going out of style. What is the government doing to my money? What is it doing to your money? Over 34 trillion in government debt, and that number goes up with every tick of the clock. The cost of living is unsustainable, and the cost of everything from eggs to bread is going through the roof no matter what the White House tells you. You can no longer trust the government or Wall Street or the bank. So how do you save now and for the future? Do what I did. Do your research. When I did my research, it led me to gold and silver, and that led me to Lear Capital, the leader in gold and silver since 1997. I know the folks at Lear. I work with the folks at Lear. I trust the folks at Lear. How do you reach them? 800-511-4620 or learjudgenap.com. You'll have a very nice conversation with a very knowledgeable person. There's no high pressure. They will send you literature that you can share with your spouse, and then you'll decide what to do. You might even qualify for $15,000 in bonus gold. Lear has been the leader in this area of investing for the past 25 years. 800-511-4620. And don't forget to ask about a gold IRA. Find out how diversifying your portfolio from stocks and bonds into gold and silver can give you peace of mind, the peace of mind you deserve. 800-511-4620, learjudgenap.com. And when you speak to these good folks, tell them the judge sent you. Alistair, welcome back to the show, uh, my dear friend. Uh, I want to talk to you at some uh, length about a recent column of yours uh, arguing that the Biden administration has been lured uh, into battleship Gaza. But just before we get there, uh, did you have a, a chance to observe to the extent it was feasible to do so? And if so, do you have any comments on the presentations made at the International uh, Court of Justice on Thursday and Friday? And Thursday of last week uh, was the presentation of the South African case uh, against Israel. And Friday of last week was the presentation of Israel's defense. 
yes, I did. Um, as you probably are aware, um, the first day was pretty well blacked out across the entire media um, in Europe uh, and probably in the United States too. There was almost no coverage of, of the first day when the South African case was made. Um, and only on the second day when the defense, Israeli defense, did was the coverage. And then the BBC and Sky started coverage. coverage. But on the day before, they did not. So it was blacked out completely. Now, the, the, the case made, I'm not a lawyer, but the case made by the South African um, prosecutor, if you like, in this, a young woman, Irish woman, was very, very eloquent, well put together. She made telling points, particularly about the sense of using 2,000 pound bombs, which dumb bombs, not guided, not smart, <coughs> which have a, a lethal range of so many meters. Can't remember exactly, but there's a circle around them and anything in that circle will die. And then there's a, a circle beyond that um, which is even bigger and involves severe damage, injury to it. And the point she was making that these bombs were being dropped, dumb bombs, no targeting, in sort of circles that overlapped. So it was just killing people, inevitably, simply by the mechanics of the bombs. And she said, this is an example. Why didn't they use smart bombs? because the aim was not to be smart and target. The aim was to take advantage of these radius. Now, that was her case. That's what she made, but she made it very, very persuasively um, in the court. Isn't it troublesome that uh, the Western media uh, blacked out the South African presentations? I mean, for... My production team to watch it, we had to go to Al Jazeera. None, none of the yeah. alphabet uh, networks in the U.S., including the one for which I worked for 24 years, uh, covered it. None. And now you're telling me the same thing happened in Western Europe. This is 2024, and these governments still think that they can block out news that they don't want us to hear? I think so, and I think it's getting even more... I think it's getting more pronounced. Uh, 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 someone sent me the the statement from the Davos meeting that's taken place, the World Economic Forum. Uh, uh, and that is all the main document is totally about how to control discourse, how to block it. They're frightened that there's going to be half the planet is going to elections one way or another um, during this coming year. Uh, all Europe is going to uh, elections uh, for the European Parliament. And they're terrified. And so there's a, a, the, the main point. It was mentioned time and time again, how to stop um, the discourse uh, around. So, yes, it's, it's getting worse, not getting any better. Is the uh, Biden foreign policy or Joe Biden's instincts on foreign policy uh, hopelessly outdated? put into his brain in an era when the world was so different than it is today? Uh, they're certainly outdated. They come from a different era. Uh, the era, the Obama era, when there was still the idea of a two-state solution in Israel, which he sabotaged. Biden deliberately undercut 
um, Secretary Clinton um, when she told um, Netanyahu at the time, uh, you really, you have to stop the settlements, you have to stop them now. And if you don't do it within 24 hours, it's going to affect our bilateral relations in a traumatic way. And um, uh, a rather stunned Netanyahu got in touch with Biden, who said, don't, oh, don't worry, this is just hot-headedness in Washington. Ignore it. I'll take care of it when I get back. And that was really the first and only effort by uh, a U.S. president, really, to say, uh, to put um, discipline, if you like, to exert an attempt to control what was happening in Israel. And since then, I mean, only in December, um, Biden was saying, you know, my one objective, my one objective is really to protect Israel. That's all. Nothing more. Finish. Just to protect it. I apologize for going back and forth, but we found the a nice clip uh, of the uh, Irish uh, solicitor making the uh, argument which impressed you so uh, in behalf of South Africa. It's about a minute 30 or so. We're going to run it right now. Madam President, members of the court, there is an urgent need for provisional measures to protect Palestinians in Gaza from the irreparable prejudice caused by Israel's violations of the Genocide Convention. The United Nations Secretary General and its chiefs describe the situation in Gaza variously as a crisis of humanity, a living hell, a bloodbath, a situation of utter deepening and unmatched horror where an entire population is besieged and under attack, denied access to the essentials for survival on a massive scale. As the United Nations Under Secretary General for Humanitarian Affairs stated last Friday, and I quote, Gaza has become a place of death and despair. You know, it's about uh, 30 or 40 minutes long. Those are the uh, opening comments just to give, to refresh your memory and to give our viewers a, a taste for what you observed and by which you were so impressed. Well, I was. It was both, and I just want to emphasize, I mean, she made the case on legal terms. That's what was really important. She yes. argued the legal case and it wasn't an, just an emotional case. So she went through the points about um, what constitutes um, uh, the, the case of genocide and argued on the legal points. And that was very clear. And I think the, um, uh, it seems that others didn't f follow through. The defense was not so strong on arguing the legal points. No, the, but, defense, the defense made an emotional argument. Emotional. Uh, you know the Israel, the Jewish people are victims of the of the Holocaust. They know what exactly. it's like. They wouldn't possibly do it to anybody else. These are emotional arguments, not legal ones. Our colleague Professor uh, Mearsheimer, who watched the full presentation of the South Africans and the full presentation of the Israeli defense team, uh, came to the conclusion that the Israeli defense team didn't quote even land a blow or make a dent uh, in the uh, argument put forth by the South African team. Well, we'll see where it right. goes. They, they, they're going to make some sort of a ruling rather, uh, rather soon. I'd, um, just like to, I'd just like to, to make the point that 
actually this has suddenly acquired a much wider uh, uh, context and one which we're going to have to take account of. Because for the global south, it wasn't just um, Israel that was being subjected to this um, court. It, it was the West and it was colonialism and what has happened in colonialism. And so we've had a lot of reaction from even the Yemenis who remind the how the British did um, ethnic cleansing in Yemen. And others are coming up with all these, the Namibians against Germany and saying, well, there was also genocide in Namibia. Mm. And so it's becoming, it's becoming a, a really, a, I think, in a, in a way, a sort of a pivot about this next era. It's it suddenly brought, suddenly the global south has sort of become, you know, back to the anti-colonial uh, discourse. And this has fed it, even though it was nothing about anywhere else other than what was happening in Gaza. It has brought these sentiments to the fore. Uh, we're going to play a little bit now of the opening statement by... Um... Tal Becker, who's the chief legal advisor for the Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs, maybe about a minute and a half. The state of Israel is singularly aware of why the Genocide Convention, which has been invoked in these proceedings, was adopted. Seared in our collective memory is the systematic murder of six million Jews as part of a premeditated and heinous program for their total annihilation. Given the Jewish people's history and its foundational texts, it is not surprising that Israel was among the first states to ratify the Genocide Convention without reservation and to incorporate its provisions in its domestic legislation. Well, you see where uh, he was going, trying to uh, make uh, an argument from history. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. see. We'll see how this ends up. But getting back to Joe uh, Biden now, you were recounting an incident in which he was in Israel and Mrs. Clinton was in D.C. She called up Netanyahu and said, stop the settlements uh, in the West Bank or it'll have a profound and perhaps catastrophic effect on the nature of our bilateral relationship. He turns to Joe and Joe says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it when I got home. And when he got home, he did take care of it. And Mrs. Clinton was thrown under the bus by uh, President Obama after he heard from Joe. Do I basically have that right? You've got it exactly right. That's right. what's happened. And that's, I mean, there were other occasions when he right. intervened to stop a, a two-state solution being put on the agenda. This is the same Joe. I'm, I'm switching gears a little bit now to Putin, but I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on the president's mentality, who has such anger and bile and hatred toward Putin. What is the genesis of that? <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Oh, well, I think it goes back to the fact that well, I think, I mean, put very basically, you know, uh, um, I think he finds it difficult that Putin is such a, you know, the smartest man in the room. And and that is something that he doesn't like. And, um, of course, the other thing was this deep feeling. It was expressed, I think, I may have got this wrong, but Kagan or someone early, one of the neoconservatives who said, you know, we've been suckered by Putin. He's tricked us because we thought he was going to be a sober Yeltsin. And it turns out he's something quite different. We've just been suckered by him. And there was a great deal of anger expressed by him, too, about that. Has the American foreign policy establishment been suckered by Netanyahu? Has it been drawn into what you have referred to as battleship Gaza? Uh, it, 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 I'm not sure how how widely that is true, but yes, they have. I mean, Netanyahu is adept at managing Westerners and Western politicians. Um, you know, he knows a lot of the Congress by their names and has been dealing with them. He speaks the right language. He's been uh, extraordinarily good at twisting and managing European and American politicians. And I think that he is um, doing that now, pulling gradually pulling the United States where it doesn't want to go into a wider war, a war that could lead to devastating consequences as it widens. And it is widening. It's widened um, in Yemen over the last few days, will continue to widen in Lebanon and in Iraq where there were attacks and where uh, the Iraqis find, fired uh, a cruise missiles into Haifa uh, and attacked the um, uh, <clears throat> the refinery in Haifa, setting it on fire. So, I mean, uh, it is getting wider. And one of the things that happened, which is very important over this weekend, when um, Secretary Blinken was having the discussions in Israel, um, was he was told very clearly, both by the president and by Gantz, uh, the minister in the cabinet, that Israel stands by their decisions not to allow the threats to continue from Gaza and Lebanon. So there it is. It was said outright. You know, this is on the this is the, on the agenda. This is what's going to happen, and we are going to do it. Can can Israel legally attack uh, Lebanon? They're both members of the, the United Nations. I mean, for that matter, can the United States legally attack Yemen, both members of the United Nations? No, is a simple answer to that. No, they're not, because uh, this would be an invasion, an illegal invasion, uh, contrary to international law. Uh, and uh, certainly when, if civilians were attacked and, uh, uh, and killed, then it would be a war crime as well. But this is, uh, he intends to push 
first of all, they try by diplomatic means. But over this weekend, uh, the U.S. envoy, Hochstein, made it clear that he's not going to succeed in getting a diplomatic solution, i.e. voluntary disarmament by Hezbollah. I don't think anyone thought he would. But anyway, he's failed to do that. And so uh, Israel has now put, uh, through the president and through the minister Gantz, um, uh, Biden and the White House on notice that he is going to push um, and settle and bring calm to southern Lebanon, south of the Litani, so that all the residents, the 200-odd thousand residents who are now living in hotels near the Dead Sea, will be able to return to their homes in the north of, of Israel. Uh, that's what um, uh, Golan, the defense minister, has promised them, that they can go home. And they're saying, we won't go home, not with, not with Hezbollah, just over the fence on the other side. It will be, could be just like 7th of October, again happening, except it would be from the north, and it would be Hezbollah and not Hamas. We're not going back. So they are committed to moving Hezbollah away from the border, over the Litani. In fact, it won't make much difference. Not a great deal, because, I mean, Hezbollah has made long-range missiles, not just short-range missiles. They're using short-range missiles at the moment to attack into a limited area in the north of uh, Israel. But if they want to, they can switch and start to use. They have 150,000 stock of missiles, according to U.S. estimates, and they've certainly got long-range. In fact, they have missiles that can cover the whole of Israel. Does um, in the elementary. Is it part of uh, Amos Hochstein's charge to talk Hezbollah into disarming? I mean, that would be impossible. Uh, well, Mr. He can't. Yeah, Mr. Hochstein he... is the principal negotiator for the United States. He was born in Israel. He fought for the IDF. He has joined mm -hmm. Israeli-American citizenship. Whether he's the appropriate person for this or not, <laughs> I don't know. Joe Biden made that choice or Tony Blinken or somebody in the hierarchy, but it would be inconceivable that he could talk them into laying down Incon their arms. Inconceivable. And uh, inconceivable that they would move from southern Lebanon. You know, they are part of the fabric of life there. They've been there for 500 years. They're not about to 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 leave. It was from families from from the south that actually staffed and, uh, and made um, the Safavi uh, regime in 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 Iran in the 1700s. They took the families from there to do the legal process, the universities, and to start the the state at that time. They're not about to leave that area and go north. And anyway, Hochstein didn't talk to uh, Hezbollah. He only talked to the Lebanese Christian authorities, um, who are provisional anyway because there's no legal government in the moment in Lebanon, so they don't have authority in any case. And they're not going to move Hezbollah out of the south. Let's look at the other side of Israel. There's this um, strip of land uh, along the Israeli, well, it's, it's Gaza, Israel, and, and mm. Egypt, called the Philadelphia Corridor. Yeah. I don't know yes. if you know the origin of that name. I don't. And maybe it's a funny or fascinating story. Maybe it's uh, benign. Mm. Uh, but whatever it is, the Israelis want to put troops in Egypt down there. Now, how could Egypt possibly tolerate the IDF on its own ground? Well, because they're accustomed to tolerating the, 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 the provisions, the, the demands of Israel. They've been doing this for a long time, 
and uh, they usually say yes to Israel. Um, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if this is what happens. And because I think what it reflects is in the cabinet, there was a raging row in these last days, I mean, in the Israeli cabinet. Uh, and um, some of the cabinet members are furious that 80 trucks or whatever it was, 40 or 80 trucks should have crossed Rafa with um, humanitarian aid um, for the Palestinians because it says this is reducing our leverage on Hamas to release hostages. They need to be short of food and they need to be short of all the provisions of life so that under this pressure they have no choice but to give up our hostages. So this is what it's all about is to sort of because they feel that too many humanitarian, too much food, too much water and for goodness sake there's about a quarter of the population there who are starving. I mean, literally haven't eaten in three days in parts of Gaza. I mean, this is the UN saying this very explicitly. So, I mean, it's not as if they're sort of uh, having too much food or, or, or provisions coming in, but the pressure, they want more leverage uh, over the Palestinians there in order to make them so desperate that they hand over the hostages. What will happen uh, if the United States uh, accepts the advice of the neocons or say Senator Lindsey Graham uh, and uh, attacks Iran? Uh, well, first of all, I, I really don't think that the, uh, the United States, I think this is a bit of bluff. I mean, the United States, you know, makes these comments and we had, you know, the British defense minister telling them, this is a message to Iran when they attacked Yemen. They said, you know, we want you to hold back your thugs on the ground in Yemen. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're not actually uh, Iranian proxies. They're very independent people. But anyway, yes, the answer is. Um, uh, and and Ehud Barak, who was prime minister a little while ago in Israel, uh, wrote a piece for the Time magazine in America, and he said, you know, it's too late. We can't really do anything about Iran. A few years ago, maybe. But all of the nuclear uh, uh, facilities are deep underground where we cannot reach them. Um, we cannot stop Iran in any case. And they can't stop them for another reason. is because Iran developed what I call the red pill defense. They have buried these uh, long-range missiles capable of striking all of Israel, all around their country. And it's a big country, and it's got hills, and it's got all sorts of places where they can bury it in underground silos. These are all divided up and they're all run, if you like, by a team that has instructions that if the command is destroyed, if our communications are destroyed, if there's no more Tehran, you continue with your orders and there's a dead hand, if you like, process by which they will launch those missiles for two to three years after the conclusion of any hostilities with the United States, and there would be no more Israel. This is the red pill. Yes, um, America can do damage to, to Iran um, by uh, aerial bombing, but at the end of it, Israel would be no safer because it would have been destroyed by these missiles over a period of two years that will pop up out of the ground from their silos and attack um, the key targets that are already inserted into their system. 
They've now, been doing this for 20 years, by the way, planning this for 20 years. If uh, former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud uh, Barak, who's also a former general uh, in the IDF, understands this, does Benjamin Netanyahu understand this? Does Joe Biden, do Tony Blinken and Jake Sullivan understand this? They must do. They must understand it. That's why it's a bluff. They must understand that, and therefore, and therefore, although Lindsey Graham says bomb, bomb, bomb Iran, you know he knows that at the end of the day, this will not help America at all because its ally will be the one that will perish in 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 the process. Apart from the fact that it won't be an easy, I mean. The fact that um, uh, you know that um, Americans used to be able to think about overflying Iran and bombing it—I'm not sure that uh, that's the case now. Um, Iran has developed very sophisticated air defense systems, helped by the Russians. They have some Russian systems too. It wouldn't be—it wouldn't be a cakewalk, even if, uh, if you put aside the sort of underground missiles that are spread around the country. Last uh, topic, uh, over the weekend, the United States claims that it bombed some uh, installations of the uh, Houthis uh, in Yemen, uh, not mainstream media, but the type of uh, media that we rely on claims that the damage that was done is absolutely minimal, yeah. whether minimal or substantial. Is the United States in a position... Uh, uh, is it ready to engage in a naval war in the Red Sea? No, not at all. I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, uh, recall, I mean, the 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 Ansar love, which the Houthis that are part, I mean, have been at war with for ten years uh, with Saudi Arabia, uh, with America providing the targeting for it, and they've got used all their missiles and all their uh, weapon systems uh, are buried <laughs> like those in Iran. They're deeply buried. They've been taught by someone. They are deeply buried, um, and they move them around. Always they're moving around all of the time. This is why the Saudis were unable to do anything in 10 years, even with American help uh, and support. And what's going on in the Red Sea is a joke because the Houthis manufacture these cheap drones that they fire at these ships. They cost about $2,000 each. And some of these ships, um, naval ships, I think the French ship recently, but the American ships are firing their air defenses um, to protect themselves against these little drones, and they're costing a million dollars apiece. So, you know, in one, a few um, cheap drones fired at these naval vessels will be costing 20 or 25 million dollars. And then they have to go and leave the Red Sea, go home, in order to recharge, because they re can't recharge their missiles at sea. So, I mean, they won't be able to sustain this. It's not sustainable. It's just, uh, I mean, one wonders. I know that the defense secretary is in hospital. I don't know if he still is, but I mean, I don't know who, who makes these decisions in the United States, but anyone will tell you that this is, um, you know, the Houthis are, are, have no problem. I mean, they're actually delighted they've been made america's number one enemy they revel in it um, uh, i have to say they you know they're a war you know warlike people fiercely independent um tribesmen 
Alistair, thank you very much for your time today uh, and for your insight. Much appreciated, uh, as always. As always, We'll see you next week, my dear friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hope it warms up for you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, the reference to it warming up is it's very, very cold here in the Northeast. It's about 14 plus 14 uh, Fahrenheit. Uh, coming up uh, later today, uh, Professor John Mearsheimer and the man, the myth, the legend, my uh, former Fox colleague, Bill O'Reilly. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.